Welcome to the Live to 110 podcast. My name is Wendy Myers, and you can find this video podcast on LiveTo110.com or on my YouTube channel, Wendy Live to 110. Be sure to go there and subscribe. And today we are interviewing the illustrious Morley Robbins about the importance of magnesium to heart health and how something as simple as supplementing magnesium can prevent a heart attack. Who would have thunk? (laughs) But first we have to do the disclaimer. Uh, Please keep in mind that this program is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in any treatment like taking magnesium that we suggest on your show, because of course you need your doctor's permission before you take supplements, right? (laughs) And our guest, Morley Robbins, also known as the Magnesium Man, is founder of the Magnesium Advocacy Group, if I can say that right, Magnesium Advocacy Group. (laughs) He has a mainstream medical industry background, however, Morley was a hospital executive and consultant for 32 years, but he left that to become a wellness coach and health practitioner. Very good idea. Mr. Robbins has uh, completed the Well Coaches Training Certification, um, or did I say Mrs. (laughs) Robbins? I'm sorry, I'm thinking of Dustin Hoffman. Um, Mrs. Robinson. Um, Mr. Robbins um, has completed the Well Coaches Training Certification as well as the Institute for Integrative Nutrition Health Coaching Program. He's a fellow IINer like myself. Uh, Mr. Robbins also received a BA in biology from Denison University in Ohio and holds an MBA from George Washington University in healthcare administration. 21 books and 1,200 articles later on magnesium and magnesium deficiency, Morley has come to realize that magnesium plays a role in all metabolic systems and is therefore a contributing factor to nearly all major health issues. Magnesium deficiency or insufficiency is at the center of so many common diseases due to its central role in activating 3,751 proteins and thousands of enzyme systems. Though on the internet, it usually says of only about 300, but we know the body is far more complex. Through Magnesium and the Magnesium Advocacy Group, he is committed to educating as many people as possible about the magnificence of magnesium and ending the epidemic of magnesium deficiency, plaguing the health and well-being of human beings. So, uh, Morley, thank you so much for coming on the show. Happy to be here. That was quite an intro. Thank yeah, you. <laughs> well, I like to be thorough. <laughs> well, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about cool. yourself and uh, why you became such a magnesium freak? Okay. Well, uh, I affectionately refer to myself as a pre-med retread, and I had designs of going to medical school. Except my organic chemistry professor, Gordon Galloway, uh, saw it very differently, and um, he made sure I was never going to have that experience. (laughs) Uh, And I've thanked him many times since then, but I chose as a backup to become a hospital executive and at least work in the industry. And for 32 years, I was an allopathic brat. Um, My sister is a nurse. She's a pediatric nurse. And I was raised in a family that, you know, thought the doctors knew what they were talking about. And I went through a very stressful 
period, a number that evolved around a, a divorce. And I developed what's called frozen shoulder and locked up. And I couldn't pick my hand up above my waist. And it was really uh, very disorienting. So I went to my favorite health food store and asked them what they had to unlock it. And there are a couple of women that, that ran it and they said, you need to go see Dr. Liz. And I went, uh, no, no, no. I said, I don't do witchcraft. You know, <laughs> just give me some supplements. Because I knew that that was code for chiropractor. And I wouldn't dare do that. So I was still miserable, not sleeping, a lot of, lot of pain. And it was from carrying or pulling a suitcase behind my back for 20 years in airports. That's really what it was. And what my body was saying was, we're done. We're not doing that anymore. And I went back to the health food store, said, look, you guys must have something more potent. And the owner looked me in the eye and she says, Morley, we love you. Go see Dr. Liz. And I went, oh, my God. So with my tail between my legs, I made an appointment to go see Dr. Liz, who is now my life partner and professional partner. And she opened me up to a new world of healing, natural world of healing. And I was doing work with her, writing, and I was I wrote an article about one of, one of her clients suggested that I write in reverse, use reverse psychology. And so I wrote a book on how to create a heart attack. It's like, why would you, why would you have a heart attack, go on the offense and make a heart attack? So it was a 10-step plan, and I was sharing it with yet another client who was also a practitioner. She said, very funny, love it. And she said, again, look me right in the eye, and she says, you know, I can't help but think that step number eight isn't more important, which was deplete your body of magnesium. Because I had read in an article that magnesium was important for the heart, but I had no idea what that meant. So I was just being, you know, very flippant and provocative. And I said, yeah, maybe you're right. And I sought out Carolyn Dean's The Magnesium Miracle. And I remember reading it um, July of 2011. And it was mesmerizing because I was like, oh, my God, now I know why everyone's in the hospital because one of my... Um, Gifts was helping clients increase their volume. And I could never understand where are all these sick people coming from. Well, I read Carolyn Dean's wonderful book. It was like a murder mystery. It was like I couldn't put it down. And I, you know, I burned through it in like, in like four or five days. I was, and and I, I, was, I became obsessed with it. And I, one thing led to another, and I started reading articles. And I was like, this is unbelievable. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. It's like when you... When you use the Google search engine, you can take every disease that people have and then just put the phrase magnesium deficiency after it. And what pops up is hundreds of scientific, academic articles that prove that magnesium is the center of the problem. It's like, oh my gosh. And so I just started chipping away at it. And um, really, it just evolved into it, it's my it's my livelihood now. Mm. And I, I formed the, uh, the Facebook group um, about a year and a half ago, year and a half ago, um, it was was really a purely selfish act. I needed a community so I could help promote a book that I was writing. Yeah, yeah. And I, thought, <laughs> and I didn't even I didn't know what Facebook was. I didn't know how to spell it. Yeah. And 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 now it's like it's a very active and very exciting group, and I've learned tons. And um, and I think it's it's helped a lot of people too. And it's it's not a panacea. 
people always, you know, thumping me in the nose about, well, it's not going to cure everything. I said, no, it's not, but it's going to help a lot. And it's just evolved into this realization that, that in a broader sense that human beings are 72% water and 28% minerals. I mean, you've heard the expression, we're ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Well, what does that mean? It's minerals. Mm-hmm. Ashes and dust are minerals. And, and the more I dig, the more I study, it's absolutely true that it's, it's actually the minerals that run our body. And what, what's really important to understand is that in, in the conventional world, in the world of allopathic healing, and actually a lot of different branches of healing, you have a pecking order. And it's the hierarchy of healing. And at the very top of the, of the hierarchy are, home, are uh, genes, the almighty gene. And, and then you come down a notch and you come to neurotransmitters. And then you come down to hormones. And then you come down to enzymes. And then they'll give a passing reference to vitamins. But they'll never, ooh, they'll never ever talk about minerals. But here's the truth of the matter. How does a vitamin work? It doesn't work until there's a mineral present. What is an enzyme? An enzyme is a vitamin, a mineral, and an amino acid. And it doesn't work unless the mineral is present. How do you make hormones? You've got to have an enzyme to do that. How do you make neurotransmitters? Ditto. Got to have minerals in order to make the enzymes work. And then we come to the exalted almighty gene. They're bathed in magnesium, zinc, and B And there's a lot of psychodrama out there about uh, MTHFR. Well, the MT on that stands for methyl transfer There are 150 to 200 of them. And the 10 that I've studied pretty closely are all dependent upon copper in order to do the methylation. And in fact, you've got to have copper to turn the gene on. You've got to have copper to turn the gene off. And it's got to be properly bound copper to work. And if it's not properly bound, it'll flip and it will become a rogue elephant and it will create hydroxyl radicals. And what does a hydroxyl radical do? It breaks the nucleotide bonds. And that's where all of this uh, issue of transcription errors is coming from, mm-hmm. from stress. It's all epigenetically mm-hmm. inspired. And, and it's just the, the literature, you have to really, really dig to get down to the truth of the matter. But it's really minerals that run our body. Yeah. And, yeah. That, and that's my... That's my pitch, and, and I stand behind it because of, of all of the research that's been done going back into the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. And it's very clear. And in, the, and in the animal world and in the plant world, there is no such thing as disease. There are pH, imbalances, there are minerals. And they don't talk about disease. And, but, but you and I are human, which means we're gullible, and we believe all these labels that are thrown at us. And, and I, I think it's it's tragic, but a lot of people are like race car drivers wearing the jumpsuit so that their doctors can put all these different labels on them. Well, you're diabetic, and you've got hypertension, and you've got MTHFR, and you've got this and that. And, and people look there, and they say, gosh, they're right. I, I do have all these labels, so I must have this. Well, that's half the battle. It's getting people to realize that it isn't a disease. In, in, in my world, there's no such thing as medical disease. There's only metabolic dysfunction that's brought about by mineral deficiencies. And, and, and the key to the whole 
dynamic is understanding enzymes. And once you understand what an enzyme is and how an enzyme works, and you need minerals to fold them properly, to have them be structured properly, to be activated properly, it's like it opens up a whole new level of understanding about how our bodies really work. Yeah. So it's it's been a, a profoundly um, exciting and, and yet disorienting experience for me to be thrown in the middle of this whirlwind of, of, of um, unrest and and malaise that, that the world is facing. I mean, I never, I never imagined I'd have clients in 14 countries. You know, it's like, it's like, oh my gosh, and it's a worldwide phenomenon. As you, I know you know that. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's a, it's a very tragic situation. It is growing in intensity and speed with each generation. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, people they're not getting the minerals from their food. They have to supplement, and people are missing the boat on the minerals. They're taking vitamins and antioxidants and all these, you know, maybe sexually marketed supplements. It's minerals that we have to have. And that's why I have my program, Mineral Power. It, it just taking minerals heals the bottle, the body in really powerful ways. Absolutely does. And, it, and it's the minerals are missing in the food. What well, are missing in the soil. So they're missing in the food. And then the uh, food gets refined, which reduces the, the number of minerals. There's no, there's very few minerals in water. You just took a drink, and it's like the mineral content of that water is not what you think it is. Unless you actively, and then we get things like antibiotics, and most of, if not all of the medications of the big pharma formulary deplete the body of minerals, courtesy of, of um, some important research that's been done about that. Um, and then we come to GMOs. And what is Roundup? Roundup is a mineral chelator. It's the ultimate mineral chelator. And it kills the, the, the weeds by taking away the minerals. And then it continues to do that when we eat the food products that have been sprayed with it. And it's like, and, and that's, what, that's what gluten sensitivity is. It's a mineral deficiency. And I think a large part, it's missing magnesium and missing copper are the two most important minerals that are missing when you are in the crosshairs of those two minerals it's it's very um very bad for the body yeah well let's talk about um, heart health let's talk about heart disease um what is its prevalence and what is the true underlying cause of heart disease (laughs) Uh, oh it's cholesterol yeah yeah. (laughs) um what's the what's the hardest working muscle in your body heart the heart and it's pushing the equivalent of five cars in blood a day think about that that's a lot of weight that's a lot that's a lot of work so it's the hardest working muscle it has the highest concentration of testosterone in the body not in the gonads in the heart more heart or the more testosterone receptors, highest concentration of taurine is in the heart. And the highest concentration of magnesium is in the right ventricle of the heart. What's the right ventricle do? It's the one that pushes the blood out into the body. It's a big deal. And, and why is that important? Well, every muscle needs energy. Right? 
And how does the human body spell energy? It's spelled MG hyphen ATP. The MG stands for magnesium, and the ATP stands for adenosine triphosphate. And what's fascinating is you ever talk to a um, cardiac surgeon and ask him, what's your most terrifying moment? And if they're telling you the truth, what they'll tell you is they obsess about the pH of their patient's heart. Because if the, the pH of that heart that they're operating on drops below 6.1, all the magnesium falls off the ATP, and boom, the person's heart's gone. And in fact, there, there are 50 enzymes that run the heart. Of 50 that I've been able to identify anyway, and there are others, but of the 50 that I have found through my research, and, and what do they all need? They either need magnesium or magnesium ATP. It's like, and it doesn't take a lot of scientists to figure that out. Um, so what is, at the, what is at the basis of the number one cause of death in America is the heart is starved. It's a starved heart. It's not a blockage. And it's not an inflamed heart, although those are two very popular theories. It's a starved heart. And it starved for energy. And the, probably the best book that I've read about it, and for anyone who does have heart disease, they need to read um, Stephen Sinatra's book, Metabolic Cardiology. Because he comes right out and tells you that there are four awesome forces, as he calls them, the awesome forces. And it's, it's, it's not, again, it's very, very straightforward. All the elements relate to producing energy in the heart and one of the cornerstones is magnesium. He's, he's the only conventional cardiologist that I know of that tells the truth. And he actually devoted a whole chapter to it. I mean, it was it, it's an amazing book. Um, but the point is, most people who have uh, any issue with their heart, whether it's high blood pressure, whether it is affibrillation, whether it is congestive heart failure, whether it is uh, cholesterol buildup, it's all from the lack of magnesium. Because how does, how does the cholesterol build up? Well, first of all, there's not enough magnesium to regulate the cholesterol production. It's pretty important. And there's yes, there's an enzyme that does that. And the lipid peroxidation that takes place inside the artery wall happens because there's not enough magnesium to keep those forces at bay. Again, it's like... I'm, I'm sort of, I'm mystified that, that I feel like I'm the one-eyed giant in the valley of the blind. There are not a lot of people who see it that way. But the, the bottom line is the bottom line. And it's about a nickel's worth of magnesium a day to keep your heart healthy. Or you could spend $5 a day on a statin and another $5 a day on your calcium channel blockers and your beta blockers and your diuretics and all the other whiz-bang medications. I call them the ABCD cardiac drugs. Um, and what are they doing? They're depleting the body of magnesium. And so the, the individual unwittingly is caught in a rather vicious uh, catch-22. Because they, they don't understand how their body and how their heart works, and they don't understand that minerals are at the center of, of the metabolic function of the body, they do what their doctor says to do, 
and because the doctor was trained in medical school and received an MD degree, and what he didn't or he, she didn't know is what the MD actually stands for is mineral denialist. They don't understand how <laughs> how, how the body works. Yeah, and, and so it's it's just this incredible infrastructure of illusion. It's it's very much akin to the Wizard of Oz. And in, in some respects, I'm Toto, and I'm pulling back the green curtain on the on the wizard to reveal, hey, he's really just a snake oil salesman. Yeah. And I and I have very good friends uh, who are physicians. I have a lot of respect for what they've gone through to get that training. But at the end of the day, they know more about pharmacology than physiology. And and I really. I fault them for that. And what I really am, am most troubled by is their lack of curiosity. Mm-hmm. How, can they, how can they be in their office week in and week out and see these patients getting sicker and sicker and sicker, taking their medications, and not ask themselves, maybe I'm not doing something right. Yeah, I, 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 that, that's what made me really angry with my father, um, who started the statins and then started the, right. then that caused diabetes and taking diabetes medication. Then he had to take antidepressants because he had depressed. And then all the, then that diabetes and all the other medications eventually lead to cancer. And it's just, um, just this demise of health over 10 years. And uh, I, I was, just asking myself that, that these all these medications, these ten medications that he was taking, can't be good. I mean, if I'm questioning this, why aren't the medical doctors questioning? Because it's the very rare medical doctor that is asking about diet, uh, that is uh, taking classes about nutrition or right. learning about right. supplements or recommending supplements to their clients. So I, I don't get it. Well, it's actually it's a really important point. Um, You've heard of Copernicus, and he came up with a very different theory about how the universe worked. And he shared that with a friend of his named Galileo. And Galileo kept it suppressed for 60 years. And then it was in the later years of his life that he revealed the source of his information. This is a book that, that uh, Copernicus had drafted. And he was immediately arrested by the church and was put under house arrest for the last 10 years of his life. Because it was it was completely averse to the whole model of, well, the, the Earth is the center of the universe, and the church is the center of the Earth, and they just they couldn't handle it. And it was just about 10, 15 years ago, the joke that Pope John Paul II acknowledged that there may be some relevance to what Copernicus had to say. This was like, almost 400 years after the fact. And so the in the belief system, I, I really come to regard physicians as priests. And they're part of the religion of medicine because it's all based on a belief system. And the belief system is that you get a disease first and then we'll do something to try to correct it. Because any scientist knows within a couple hours of doing basic research that the body runs on minerals, and that when the minerals are missing, energy plummets. And when energy plummets, that invites a chaos inside the cell. As long as there's proper energy production inside the cell, and the the membrane of the cell, which is where the real action is, 
uh, and Bruce Lipton did a beautiful job in his book, Biology of Belief, explaining that, that, that there's an energy shield, literally. And as long as that energy shield is holding, everything's great. But as soon as that energy shield goes south, you, all the bad stuff starts getting in, the good stuff can't get out. And, and doctors absolutely believe that the disease comes first and then the treatment follows. And if you're talking to a cardiologist and you point out the fact that in a cancer cell, there's five times more copper in a cancer cell than there is in a normal cell, they'll look you in the eye and say, well, then the cancer must have invited the copper in. And I've had that conversation. And I was like, I was mystified because I thought, I thought, I thought the oncologist I was talking to was kidding. But he absolutely believed it. And they do believe it because they are... It's a belief system. It's not science. Because the science is that it's copper toxicity that destabilizes the cell that allows the cancerous activity to take place. That's in the literature. It's very clear in the literature. But in the belief system, they can't accept that. Yeah. yeah. Because it violates it violates the very tenet of the industry, of the profession, and then it absolutely rocks the boat of their economics. Mm-hmm. And that's and it's it's a very tough situation because there's only a certain percentage of people who will challenge their doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Say, it's very, very few. Very few. Yeah. But, but there's, but there's two important questions that they can ask. One question is to look the doctor in the eye and say, where did you learn that? And may I have a copy of the article that speaks to it? It's, those are very powerful questions for people to ask the doctor because it's, and the third question that they've asked, and I've trained a number of my clients to do this, I say, sit down with your doctor and go through the list of the medications that you're taking and then ask them, mano to mano, how are these medications that you've got me taking improving my mineral status, especially my magnesium status? Yeah. And it's a very uncomfortable question for the doctor to answer. First of all, they don't know, and if they do know, they know what the answer is, and they don't want to say it. Yeah. So that's that's the that's the yin yang of, of modern medicine in America and and throughout the world as well. And do you feel like this is because the medical industry is largely controlled by big pharma? Yeah, I mean, certainly the funding for medical schools, funding for research. I mean, a lot of that changed when Reagan was in office. Uh, just line item. That we don't, the government doesn't need to pay for research anymore. We'll let big pharma do it. And and in the early '80s, that was a a halcyon shift in in how um, medical education and medical research was funded. Big big change. Yeah. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about magnesium and the different forms of magnesium that uh, you like to take and recommend to clients. And uh, what are the best kinds, including uh, chelated magnesium? Yeah. Well, there, there are about 35 different forms. Uh, the, the two forms that are the most prevalent by um, supplement companies are either magnesium oxide or magnesium citrate. And, and the fact that they are prevalent does not mean that they are bioavailable. Uh, magnesium oxide is the cheapest form of magnesium. That's why well, there are a lot of companies that use it. And what people need to understand is that when their doctor using a, a drug formulary 
suggests mag ox 400. That's 400 grams, no, excuse me, 400 milligrams of magnesium oxide, and it has the equivalency of 16 milligrams of elemental magnesium, because mm -hmm. about 4% of it gets absorbed. So we'd be very leery of, of that. Um, magnesium citrate is tricky because it's, it's um, easily absorbed, but the citrate molecule is very irritating to the bowel. And so people will take uh, a dose of magnesium citrate, and they will get the runs, and they, everyone knows that if you get too much magnesium, you get the runs, and so then back off. And so they back off on the magnesium. They don't get any, they don't get enough. So what I like to do is have people uh, engage in what I call a full-court press, and that is have a good source of mineral water, you know, use Anderson's Mineral Drops or Aussie Minerals or Concentrates, excuse me, and there are, there are others, but, but the water needs to be mineralized, and almost all of those companies have a magnesium bias to them. So that's, that's the first one. And it's an ionic form of magnesium, which is immediately absorbable and taken up by the body. Um, then um, a good oral supplement is very, very helpful. Uh, some of the more popular ones or, or more effective, at least from our experience, are magnesium malate. Uh, the brand that we've had a lot of success with is Jigsaw Health. Mm -hmm. um, but magnesium glycinate, uh, whether it's pure encapsulations or Doctors Best or there are many different companies out there. Um, but the glycinate is a very, it's, it's probably the most bioavailable chelated form of, of magnesium. Then uh, transdermal is very important. Um, most people have heard of Epsom salts, so that's magnesium sulfate. And, and a, uh, magnesium sulfate is wonderful as a, um, for a bath. Uh, it's, it's, a, it, it's great for detoxing the body. Uh, it's not as effective at restoring magnesium. Uh, magnesium chloride oil is probably more effective in that regard. It's the most primordial form of magnesium on the planet. Yeah, I put that yeah, on I, my butt, my legs at one point, and I thought I was going to die. They were itching so bad. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I didn't do it again. I gave it to a friend, and yeah. uh, I just I couldn't uh, I couldn't deal with that. <laughs> well, what, hap what happened was the uh, the magnesium is a relaxing mineral and it, and it opened up your pores and it let the chloride ion in and it stings the heck out of your body yeah. and, that, and that's what happens as you get more used to it, it you won't have that reaction uh, okay. uh, and, and some people find that they can do a foot bath which is very effective and take a like a half an ounce of magnesium chloride and hot water just enough to cover their their toes and watch watch a tv show or, okay. or read a book or something that's incredibly effective at restoring magnesium. And the, the bottom of the feet are very porous and have thousands of pores there. Um, but, but other forms of oral that are good are magnesium taurate, magnesium orotate, magnesium gluconate. All these chelated forms uh, are very effective because the body recognizes the chelating agent. And it says, oh, you've got some magnesium? Fine, you can take that too. Uh, so that's very, very effective. Um, and then the other cornerstone in the full court press is magnesium-rich foods and things like um, leafy greens, organ meats, 
Uh, a lot of people aren't used to organ meats, but that's how our ancestors survived. Uh, they didn't eat muscle meats. Uh, bone broths, very rich in minerals, but, also, but certainly magnesium. Um, nuts and seeds. Hemp seeds are incredible at, at providing magnesium. Um, uh, seaweed, unbelievable. Uh, it's probably the highest concentration of magnesium on the planet is in seaweed. Chocolate would be a close second. That's where um, I get my I, magnesium. I know. That's where people <laughs> just love their, love their cocoa. It's got to be, it's got to be dark cacao. Yeah. That's what I Not eat. cocoa. Yeah. And it took me about a year before I realized, oh my God, they're smelling it differently. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, all the little games. And what's interesting, a lot of people eat chocolate thinking that they're getting cacao. And in fact, when you look on the back of a Hershey bar now, what does it say? It says compound. And that's legally, they can't call it chocolate unless it has a certain percentage of cacao. And chocolate doesn't have that anymore. So people have to be very careful about the dark candy that they're eating. Is it really providing the minerals that they think it is? So wait, so Hershey Kisses don't produce health? What? (laughs) Yeah, right. I'm sorry. You know? know? Exactly. That's what makes me illustrious. Yeah. I'm telling yeah. you the truth. Uh, yeah. No, it's it's really tragic. And what and what's tomorrow? Halloween. Yeah. And and what are kids going to be downing big time? Is high fructose corn syrup. And it's just it's talk about a mineral chelator. Uh, really bad stuff. So got to be careful. So th- those are the four cornerstones: is um, magnesium rich water, uh, transdermal a good oral and magnesium-rich foods. Uh, a lot of people are still under the belief that it's got to be two parts calcium to one part magnesium. Uh-uh. No, do not do that. It's That was um, inspired by a French magnesium researcher. Uh, his name is Jean Durlach, and he was trying to explain that you would never, ever want to go to that level. Uh, two of his colleagues... Bella and Burton Altura actually have the patent for two parts calcium to one part magnesium because they didn't want anyone to abuse it. And it's become a um, millstone around people in their supplements. And if, if people remember just this one thing I'm about to say and nothing else, it'll, it'll be really important. That excess calcium, when it's in excess of magnesium, blocks magnesium absorption. Excess magnesium in excess of calcium guarantees calcium metabolism in the body. So always uh, defer to more magnesium than calcium. Always. And the whole belief system that you need calcium to build strong bones is just another myth along with Cholesterol causes heart disease, along with low salt is good for hypertension and all the other myths out there. In fact, probably the the most important thing you can do is have magnesium because it activates a key enzyme called alkaline phosphatase. And alkaline phosphatase enables the bone cells called osteoblasts to do their work because they must work in an alkaline environment. And and if it's not alkaline, they can't do their work. And so magnesium is actually more important, probably <clears throat> way more important than calcium 
and the way I regard it is magnesium is the quarterback of the football team, and calcium is one of the front linemen. Pretty dumb. We'll do what it's told, but it takes a good quarterback to run the team. So that, that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. You want you want the mineral calling the plays, not the not the, the bag of rocks trying to stop the the, the uh, defenseman. Yeah, yeah. And let's talk about about um, how copper plays into heart disease as well, because I know for all of my clients, uh, the majority of them are copper toxic. They've got bio unavailable copper um, right. that toxicity that's showing on their hair mineral analysis. And this is something, again, that not many people know about. And so what kind of problems are, is this causing in health in general and with the heart? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think it's, as I said, <clears throat> it, to figure out that magnesium is important is pretty straightforward. That, that didn't take a, a rocket scientist to figure out. Copper, completely different animal. Uh, I think it's the stealth health issue around the globe and it is a um it's like jacqueline hyde uh copper <clears throat> excuse me copper needs to be bound to a protein called ceruloplasmin that's a fancy french word for blue blood but it's a key protein that transports both copper and iron around the body <clears throat> and its initials are capital C, little p. And I call it cake. And it's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Dr. Jekyll always wore a cake. And he was this consummate gentleman and a very gifted physician. But when he took his cape off, he became a murderer with the dagger. Right? And that's, that's good copper, bad copper. And that's the dilemma with copper is that people are being conditioned to... Um, think that all copper is bad and that there is no such thing as good copper when in fact there are 30 plus what are called cupro enzymes latin for copper there are 30 cupro enzymes that if they don't work you got a whole bunch of problems not, not the least of which is the, the, the psychodrama with mthfr and and heart disease because um copper's one of its many important roles is there's um, the little energy factories inside our cells called mitochondria. Those are where the actual energy is made. And the inside the energy factory are five little steps. <clears throat> and step four involves a key copper enzyme called cytochrome C oxidase. And when copper is present, and it's got the cape on, it makes sure that the electrons that are on that molecule get transferred to oxygen so that water can be made and energy can be produced. And if that doesn't happen, instead of making ATP, what the mitochondria makes are free radicals, you know, called reduced oxidation species. And that's the very step. Step four in the electron transport chain, and and if copper's not there, a lot of bad things happen. So hearts need energy. We've talked about that. So copper is very important for producing ATP. 
But copper is also important for producing another, or for activating another key enzyme called lysyl oxidase. And lysyl oxidase is very important for formation of collagen and elastin. And anybody who has an enlarged heart has copper deficiency because the, the cell wall has lost its turgidity and it's getting bigger and less uh, uh, elastic. And it's because of a lack of copper. Um, and so the, the heart uh, loses its strength. It's not able to pump with the same kind of force that it's supposed to have. And fluid builds up. And people very often will, will have this fluid build up in their lungs because the heart can't move the fluids in the body the way they're supposed to. And it causes uh, heart palpitations and rapid heartbeat and things of that nature as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, we, we can get into um, splitting hairs about which is more important, magnesium or copper. But the way I look at it is there, there's a very important physician. His name was Dr. Fiedler, who came up with a very important theory of how disease occurs. In 1899, Dr. Fiedler, who was a famous Viennese physician, came up with this theory that stress caused magnesium loss, which led to electrolyte derangement. And the electrolyte derangement caused energy loss. The energy loss led to cell death. The cell death was followed by inflammation, which, was, which is designed to clean up the mess. And then the inflammation is followed by what's called fibrosis, or we know it as calcification. And that's the process Dr. Fiedler laid out in 89. Well, then a very inspired physiologist by the name of Hans Selye in the 1950s and 60s and 70s decided to see if that was true. That was an animal experiment in Canada. And he wrote a thousand articles and 47 textbooks. Pretty, pretty active guy. Yeah, yeah. But, but he proved that Dr. Fiedler was right. Yes, in fact, stress causes magnesium loss. And right on the line, and then the calcification ends the process. Now, what's fascinating is that Dr. Sillier was nominated for a Nobel Prize 14 times. It's a lot. Man, just to get just to get one nod would be pretty impressive. Yeah, 14 times. How many times do you think he won? Zero. Why? Because he made a mockery of medicine. Because every disease follows that path. There's some stressor that causes magnesium loss that causes the energy loss. And, and where does copper fit into that? Well, the adrenal glands are ruled by the relationship of sodium to magnesium. I mean, Dr. Sellier proved that the first thing that happens is sodium goes up. And we see that on hair tests all the time. What's, what's the second thing that, 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 that rises is is potassium, but that's because of it's regulated by magnesium. So make when magnesium leaves, potassium is going to come out of the cell. It's going to rise too, just like it does on a hair test. And then if the stress continues and there's no resolution, well, the whole thing comes crashing down. And that's called the uh, exhaustion stage of stress. And so you have the alarm, resistance, and exhaustion. And we see this on hair tests all the time, and it's in fact what Dr. Sellier uh, 
perfected with his um, his gas model, with the general adaptation syndrome. Well, when the adrenals get overwhelmed with stress repeatedly, to regulate the release of stress hormones. And a key stress hormone is ACTH, and it whips the body into a frenzy. But what ACTH also does is it kills the production of ceruloplasm in the liver, and then copper doesn't have its cake. And so when copper doesn't have its cake, you have two simultaneous events taking place. You have a rise of unbound copper, and you have a lowering of the bound copper. And so you have simultaneous copper toxicity and copper deficiency. And it's vexing to get clients to understand that it can happen at the same time. And what's fascinating is that the copper toxicity not only leads to copper deficiency, but it also leads to zinc deficiency. And because the iron side of the house is copper dependent, it leads to iron deficiency. So that, that initial stressor causing the magnesium loss leads to, downstream to three subsequent other uh, minerals being compromised and just adding to the metabolic chaos that's taking place in the body. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I see yeah, this with hair tests after hair tests after hair tests that I do with clients. You can see these the, the body chemistry going on and uh, right. and the resultant health conditions that that happen as well, including calcifications of the arteries uh, leading to heart disease and calcifications of other parts of the body because of this uh, stress, adrenal fatigue, copper toxicity, and then that increases calcium deposits in the body. Right. And it and it all starts with a lo- it starts with the stress, but it starts with the loss of magnesium. It's the first to go. Zinc is right on the heels of, of magnesium, and then B vitamins and taurine and some other things. But but as soon as magnesium comes out, it's like it's it's an end game event for that cell, and then a bunch of cells become a tissue, and then the tissue becomes an organ, and then if it happens enough, you know, then you have what's called a myocardial infarct or some other comparable event yeah yeah and so how how do you correct this um how do you go about correcting um heart conditions and preventing heart attacks and other uh, health conditions um perhaps beyond simply supplementing magnesium you, you can't people are screwed they just you know yeah. sorry <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we, we can talk about all the problems all the yeah. time so, uh, I think the most important thing is testing. Um, you know, the, the analogy that I use is would you, and, and people do this all the time, they just start taking supplements left and right because they read an article, they talked to a friend, their doctor, whatever, but they've never tested. And I'm like, would you ever just start pouring oil in your car engine whatever, without looking at the dipstick? Well, yeah, that's a good point, but people do it all the time. So, it's important to have a baseline testing. So the two that I think are the most important are the hair test and the magnesium red blood cell test. And it's, it's a definitive marker <coughs> for the magnesium status. Uh, the challenge there is that the reference range that's used in, uh, with contemporary labs is a gross distortion of what it was in 1962. Um, and the, Magnesium 
in milligrams per deciliter needs to be between 5.0 and 7.0, not as low as there's one lab that uses now 3.8 as their lower range. It's like, but that's okay. It's like, oh my God, that's, that's like a car driving a car with two quarts low in oil. And you wouldn't do that. And um, testing's the starting point. Then and it's, it's beginning to recognize that minerals can be restored, that we were designed to eat minerals and vitamins, and that they're very um, essential to the metabolism of the body. And then I think it's important to recognize that foods are, play a very important role as well, of course. Chocolate. chocolate. Got, yeah, exactly. Real chocolate. <laughs> but it's got to be real food. Yeah. It's got it's to be food that our ancestors would recognize. You know, our great-grandparents would be aghast to walk into a grocery store now. And they say, what are you eating? You know, it's like, and, if, and if the food is coming in a can, a bag, or your car window, it's not real food. Yeah. And, and people are too quick to allow that. Um, the other thing I think people, where, where people make mistakes in, the, in their recovery is they're in too, too much of a hurry to try to solve the problem. And it may take 18 months to two years. Because really what it is is consider that it takes um, a month for every year that you've been out of balance. Mm -hmm. And most people have been out of balance since birth. And if they're sick, they're really sick, it's going to take longer than two years. Absolutely. Yeah. But but the most amazing thing is the people who have staying power, we've got clients on our end, as I'm sure you do on yours, they do come around. Yeah, eventually, yes, they do. Yes, they do. That slow, steady progress is profound. And there's a point where there's a tipping point where they're like, oh, my gosh, they they start to feel really good. Um, And then, of course, they they do too much. But um, but the important thing is that the resilience of the human body is limitless. And and what, what holds us back is metabolic resistance. And the, the, the most famous researcher of magnesium was a physician, excuse me, by the name of Mildred Seelig. Uh, she was prominent in the 70s through like till 2006 when, when she died of a heart attack, um, which she had no control over, but I won't go into that. But the point is, she had a famous phrase, which was, magnesium is the mineral of motion. Magnesium is the mineral of motion. And when you think of the human body, it's constantly moving. Things are going back and forth, electrons and all that. And when there's resistance, whenever there's resistance, whether it be physical, metabolic, electronic, uh, emotional, psychic resistance, it's from magnesium deficiency. So that's why I gravitate to magnesium to begin to open up that pathway to resilience. And the only caution that people need to be aware of is that if they've been under a lot of stress and then they suddenly start to take a lot of magnesium, it may weaken their adrenals because the adrenals, again, are regulated by the relationship between sodium and magnesium. And when the magnesium builds, the sodium doesn't. So you just have to be very sensitive to adrenal support it's, to me, it's the most important gland in the body. It's way more important than the thyroid because the thyroid makes one hormone 
the adrenal glands make 50 every day. And it's, it's much more metabolically sophisticated. And it's much more affected by stress. And to me, it's, it's so important to bring adrenal health front and center. And if people can focus on that and really begin to address the needs of the adrenal glands, uh, it, it pays off uh, in huge dividends downstream. I agree with you. I think the uh, adrenal fatigue is the root cause of all disease. Um, it begins there, and people's uh, health regimes need to focus on taking care of those adrenals, feeding them and detoxing them, etc. Well, the thing is, allopathic conventional medicine focuses on three things. Calcium, iron, and thyroid. Now, let's walk through those. What does calcium do? Shuts down magnesium metabolism. What does iron do? Shuts down copper metabolism. What does focusing on the thyroid do? Shuts down the adrenals. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a perfectly orchestrated campaign to render the individual basically defenseless. Because when your calcium is too high and your iron is too high and and you're obsessed with your thyroid function, you can't breathe or even have fine time to think about, well, maybe, maybe the biological antagonist of calcium is out of whack, or maybe the, the biological regulator of iron, which is copper, is out of whack. Well, maybe, actually, maybe the adrenals are what makes sure that the copper is available so that my thyroid works. And um, people don't realize taking thyroid medication fatigues your adrenals. It pushes Absolutely. them. You've just got that foot on the gas, and it fatigues the adrenals, which makes the thyroid problem worse. Famous research in the late 50s coming out of Harvard Medical School said that when you increase thyroxine, you put a metabolic burden on the body, and you need to increase magnesium. It's right there in the literature. Mm-hmm. And, and what doctor ever tells their client to increase your magnesium Silence. Yeah. Why? Because they don't. They don't know. They've never. They've, they've never been trained in mineral metabolism, and that's a really. I think at this point in the in the conversation, your 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 fans uh, that are following this conversation have two questions that are rolling in the back of their head. One question is, well, if it was this simple, why didn't I know this? And if it was this important, like if magnesium is this important. Why didn't my doctor ever tell me? And truth be known, the answer to both of those questions is the same answer. There ain't no money in a cure. No. The whole engine of allopathic medicine is designed to keep you just sick enough to keep coming back, keep keep that turnstile going. And that sounds really crass, heartless, but it's like I was in the system. I know how the system works. Yeah. I, I know that 40% of the profit of hospitals comes from their heart programs. Profit, not revenue, profit. It's the cash cow of the allopathic industry. And and it's this is what I find fascinating. Heart disease has been the number one cause of death for a hundred years. Today there are four seven forty sevens that crashed with all the passengers dying of heart disease. Today and it'll be another one the day after that. Now, what I find fascinating is that in the early 60s, 1963, John Kennedy gave a speech 
at NASA and said, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to the moon. And in less than a decade, actually eight and a half years, they had a lunar module all the way up to the moon. And, and, and that's, I think that's a pretty, pretty amazing technological feat. And here we are 100 years later, and physicians are still wringing their hands trying to figure out, oh, what's causing heart disease? And we don't know how to measure magnesium in the human body. It's, it's too complicated. We can get out to the moon and back. But, gosh, it's like, like this mineral is just so, oh, oh it's, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I don't, I don't buy it. It's, it's by design. And that's the only explanation that makes sense to me. Yeah. And it's, and it's just very tragic that, that the masses aren't willing to challenge the status quo and start really saying, these medications you've got me on, what, what, what are they doing to my minerals? And that's really what they've got to start doing. Is the masses have got to start challenging this one saying, it's, it's not working. Yeah. And I, what I can say, and I'm sure you've had this experience with your client base, everyone I, I work with knows the system's broken. Yeah. They're not getting the answers. And they don't know how else to, to, um, to do it than, than to work with you know, alternative therapy. Yeah. And so you use hair mineral analysis in your in your practice. So what is the value in hair mineral analysis? It's it's everything. It's what allows me to understand the mineral profile of the individual and to really begin to see what the key ratios are that run the body and get the, a metabolic um, picture of what's working and what's not working and see where the where the hair test is so important is that it tells me how much stress is this individual under and what are the challenges to producing energy in this body. Mm-hmm. And it's profoundly um, important in both of those respects. But then you can get down into many different levels of refinement about heavy metals and all these other uh, imbalances between the minerals. And it's just, it's a, to me, it's a phenomenally critical tool to understand how the body is in fact working or not working as the case may be. Yeah. I think it's sad that a lot of doctors, uh, they're not really very well trained in the interpretation and they look at it as just, Oh, this is the mineral levels or this is the heavy metal levels. And there, there's so much research behind using right. a hair mineral analysis. There's so much information that can be gleaned from it. Number one, how to supplement someone correctly for their individual biochemistry. Uh, absolutely. And it's, it took me about two years before I felt comfortable with interpreting it. Yeah, and it's 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 not an easy uh, tool to um, understand, and it's certainly not. It's like I guess it's like golf. It just takes the rest of your life to really perfect it. But um, it's it's a very powerful, but it's a very challenging tool to work with. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your upcoming book, The Starved Heart, and how magnesium feeds it? So they'll be very very interested in that. Yeah, well, I, I had another attempt at writing a book. I was going to do it with a cardiologist, and that didn't work. It just it wasn't um, the editorial direction wasn't right. So I launched that on my own. Uh, the goal is to have this uh, wrapped up probably the first quarter of next year. Uh, it's a labor of love. Uh, it's one thing to run a, a Facebook group. It's another thing to run a, a a wellness practice, and then it's like, oh my gosh, now let's get psyched to, to write a book. It's impossible. Uh, I'm trying to finish mine. It's so hard. Yeah, <laughs> it is very, very challenging. 
it's a great way to increase my magnesium burn rate. Yes, exactly. But, but it, um, it's, it's a labor of love. And what I'm really trying to do is just make sure that people understand the truth of, of why the heart doesn't work properly and why it's starved. And clearly it's, it's a magnesium issue. Uh, it's copper. It, it's zinc. It's, it's a bunch of nutrients that are missing. And, uh, I, I intend to make people aware of that uh, and try to de- debunk some of the mythology along the way. Uh, so that's on, on target for, uh, early 2015. So I appreciate the uh, opportunity to, to pitch that. And um, I want to thank my buddy, uh, Larry Trivieri, who's a genius. He's a, a very gifted writer. And he's actually the one who came up with that title, okay. you know, The right. Starved Heart. It's, it's, just, a good, it's a very good title. Yeah, and it says it all. So it's, I'm very excited to, to bring that out into the, uh, into the ethos in a few months. And so why don't you tell the listeners uh, where they can find you, all about your Facebook group, et cetera. Oh my God! More, more, more. <laughs> oh, um, the, the Facebook group is called uh, Magnesium Advocacy Group. Um, I was, um, I'm, I'm humbled by how quickly it's growing. It's, I mean, it's up almost to twenty thousand people now. Um, it's like herding cats every day, trying to keep the. Uh, <laughs> The thousands of people are kind of in focus. And it's not. It's not thousands. It's actually several hundred people who are really active. But there are a lot of people who have gone to that fight and have benefited from that. I'm a uh, member. I, I enjoy the group a lot. I enjoy. Well, it. thank you. It's it's been a lot of fun to do. Um, so that magnesium advocacy group uh, on Facebook. I have a website called uh, gotmag g o t m a g dot org. You know, play on words. Got milk. Got mad, yeah. <laughs> and um, I have—I don't have a regular blog, but it, a lot of material there for the listeners to uh, or the, the viewers uh, to read up on uh, different topics. I should warn them that I am countercultural. Uh, I don't buy all of the conventional BS out there, and my pet peeve is uh, around what I call hormone D. I won't go into it now, but I believe it's a it's a great myth that we need to supplement with that. Um, it's not a vitamin. It is a hormone. With vitamin D, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's it's causing a lot of harm, but we're not going to see it for another 10 years. Yeah. So I'll, I'll rest my case. We'll talk again in 10 years. Yeah, then. we are going to do another podcast on vitamin D and another one on copper at some oh, good. point. I would love, love, love to do that. And maybe one on calcium. Just uh, cover all the, the nutrients. That would be a, that would be a lot of fun. I would look forward to that. Well, uh, Morley, thank you so much for coming on the show. Stay tuned. Um, listeners, uh, thank you so much for tuning in to the Live to 110 podcast. You can learn more about me, uh, the modern paleo diet, detoxification, my mineral power program, all on live to 110.com. Be sure to go to all my Facebook, uh, I will live to 110 and Twitter, I will live to 110 YouTube channel, Wendy live to 110 and, uh, join in the fun and learn about alternative ways to to heal your health. Thank you again for tuning in to the Live to 110 podcast. Thanks so much.